Today you've joined hundreds of established and emerging writers who are discovering ways to reach their writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. You're listening to Ann Croker, Writing Coach. This is episode 191, Write to Discover Your Voice. You know within a few notes if you're listening to the Beatles or the Bee Gees, James Taylor or Justin Timberlake, Sting or Cher. Why? Well, it's their voice. You recognize their voice. In literature, it may not seem as obvious since we aren't usually hearing the author's voice when we read their work. And yet I'll bet you could read a few lines of someone's work and tell me if it's William Faulkner or Wendell Berry. Barbara Kingsolver or Stephen King, Tom Wolfe or Virginia Woolf. Why? Once again, it's their voice. You recognize their voice. You'd know if you were reading something by Annie Dillard, Anne Lamott, Anne Voskamp, or Anne Groker. Put passages from Annie Dillard and Anne Lamott side by side, and you'd be able to detect a difference, a big difference, even if you didn't know them before. Some of it would be due to content. Some of it would be due to stylistic choices each of them makes, like word choice, sentence length, literary devices, allusions. Each writer brings to their work different memories, opinions, passions. That and more plays into the words we write and the way we write them. And somehow it all comes together into something we label voice. Agents and publishers say they're looking for a unique voice, a new voice, a fresh voice, a genuine voice. A voice that rings true. We writers want to have a voice like that. We want to know we found our voice and we want to deliver our work in that one-of-a-kind voice that connects with readers and stands out in a crowded market. We're all trying to land on that special something. What is this mysterious thing called voice? Well, the answer is often vague and subjective, sometimes as unhelpful as I know it when I see it. And this answer, and it's not uncommon, leaves writers anxious and unsure of themselves. They get self-conscious and start to question, is this my voice? Or did I sound like me in that last project? And if they continue to squirm as they work, worried they sound like someone else or like anyone else, they're at risk of losing the authentic voice that may already be pouring out of them naturally. I poked around in books and online and discovered that a few people venture a definition of voice. Education Northwest, the organization that developed the 6 plus 1 traits, described voice as the heart and soul of the writing, the magic, the wit, the feeling, the life and breath. A reader, they say, should identify something individual, something unique from all other writers. Okay, sounds good. That's what we're aiming for. Individual, unique, a little heart and soul, and if possible, wit. But how does the writer find that? How does the writer pull that off? How do we know our paragraphs aren't pulsing with copycat wit? And how can we get some of that magic? Well, it's hard to be objective about the individuality of our own writing voice. It's easier to listen for voice in others. In Writing with Power, Peter Elbow describes a time he assigned autobiographical writing to his students, and as he read their work, he paid attention to what held his attention. Over time, he identified those sections, paragraphs, sentences, phrases, and fragments as writing that felt real. He said, 
It had a kind of resonance that somehow rang true. He sensed power in their words. This power, he decided, was voice. On some days, he writes, these passages jumped out at me very clearly. It's as though I could hear a gear being engaged and disengaged. Elbow began to recognize feelings these writers exuded in some of these sections. It could be anything from happiness to self-pity. And yet he found it difficult to nail down a clear explanation or a source of the power that these writers conveyed or an objective definition of voice. He did, however, develop an ear for voice over time. So whatever you label it and whatever you call it and however you define it, one way or another, Elbow says it comes down to power. Other words may apply as well, he says, like authenticity, authority. Many people call it sincerity. I like to call this power juice. After learning to listen for writing that has voice or juice, you'll start to notice writing that lacks voice, juiceless prose. Elbow says writing without voice is wooden or dead because it lacks sound, rhythm, energy, and individuality. Does a passage you're reading online sound clunky? Does an essay just stop abruptly? Do you stop and reread a sentence to figure it out? Are you falling asleep because a section sounds wooden and a page lacks life? That's writing that could use a little magic, energy, life, and breath. And if your own writing lands with a thud on the page, don't despair. We can learn skills and techniques to apply to our poetry and prose that does create a sense of rhythm and sound that's appealing to the ear. Now, does that mean you're developing a voice instead of trusting your natural voice? Maybe. I think that's okay. While we want to achieve a natural conversational tone, the way we express our thoughts on paper doesn't, and I don't think it should, sound exactly the same as our speech. After all, we interrupt ourselves when we speak. We hem and haw. We ramble. That's natural and lively, perhaps, but I sure wouldn't want to read an exact transcript of my actual conversations. Writing benefits from clarity that comes as we develop ideas and express thoughts. If we work at it, our written words emerge with greater fluency and rhythm than our spoken words because we've taken time to craft our sentences. I, I have to be careful, though. If I try too hard to sound lyrical, for example, my work sounds forced. If I'm so conversational, my prose turns casual, I could seem sloppy. So it's a balance. But I think I agree with Elbow that we find a writing voice that sounds like us. If a friend reads my work, I'd like for him to look up from the page and say, I feel like you're talking with me over coffee. Elbow says work that reflects a writer's real voice carries power to make you pay attention and understand. The words go deep. However, many writers stay at surface level, and instead of finding their unique voice, they default to an acceptable voice, expressed through adequate writing. To achieve this familiar, comfortable, safe, and acceptable voice, Elbow says we may have had to push away feelings and experiences and tones of voice that felt unacceptable. But these unacceptable elements have energy and power tied up in them. And you need to tap into that if you want to deepen the resonance of your voice, he says. So, it's time to dig deep and take risks. To risk exposing ourselves 
To release my voice means releasing emotions, feelings, and thoughts that I've maybe never allowed near the page. If you've been writing with professional and emotional distance, you may need a little nudge into new internal places and spaces. Return to a journal and write freely using some of the resources and approaches that I recommended in the first episode in this series. And then as you write to discover your real self, your real voice emerges. In Bird by Bird, Anne Lamott says she would ask students why they show up and keep doing the work, especially when it was often boring, even excruciating. She says, over and over they say, in effect, I will not be silenced again. They were good children who often felt invisible and who saw some awful stuff. But at some point they stopped telling what they saw because when they did, they were punished. Now they want to look at their lives, at life and they don't want to be sent to their rooms for doing so. But it is very hard to find their own voice, and it is tempting to assume someone else's. Julia Cameron has worked with many people who have not been heard. Sometimes, she says, in The Right to Write, we do not know we have a writing voice because there has never been anyone to listen. When we begin to listen to ourselves, the inner voice grows stronger. Soon, others can hear it as well. But going deeper and listening to ourselves isn't easy. Anne Lamott continues, We write to expose the unexposed. If there is one door in the castle you have been told not to go through, you must. Most human beings are dedicated to keeping that one door shut. But the writer's job is to see what's behind it, to see the bleak, unspeakable stuff and to turn the unspeakable into words, not just into any words, but if we can, into rhythm and blues. You can't do this without discovering your true voice. Her students wonder why they've had to do this hard, scary work of flinging open those doors and peering inside, reporting on what lurks in those unexplored spaces. But she talks about the liberation and joy that comes from that action. She adds, and the truth of your experience can only come in your own voice. We write our own truth in our own voice. Lamont says, you cannot write out of someone else's big dark place. You can only write out of your own Julia Cameron may disagree with my thought that we can learn and practice writing techniques that improve the rhythm and sound of our work, and in that sense we're developing skills that affect our writing voice. She says, we need not develop a voice in writing because we already have a voice. Further, she says, we already have a unique voice and need not work on that either. We simply need to draw it out, discover it with practice. And of course, anyone who knows Julia Cameron knows that morning pages is her assignment. Three pages, handwritten, first thing in the morning, every single day. She truly believes we write to discover our voice every single morning in the privacy of our bedrooms. Before we've let the voices of the world wheeze, whine, and whisper in our ears, seeping into our sentences and affecting our ideas. Peter Elbow, Anne Lamott, and Julia Cameron all suggest that our true voice will emerge and energize as we seek truth, explore it, expose it, and express it. And as we bring those memories, fears, and struggles to the page, we may do so with deliberate, careful word choice, sentence length, 
literary devices and illusions, or we may stay as casual as we might be around the dinner table with friends. Maybe we'll figure out how to do both. I wish I could boil it down to a formula or a process. I wish I could come up with a very clear definition, but I think it really might be part mystery and part magic as it all comes together inside us to form our one-of-a-kind voice that connects with readers with authenticity, authority, sincerity, and power. However you define it, I do think most people would agree that the only way to discover your voice is to write. I'm Ann Croker, cheering you on as a writing coach in your ear. Everywhere we may meet, at my website, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in your inbox, here on this podcast, over at Patreon, or even in person, I'm always looking for ideas to share with you that will help you achieve your writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. Thank you for listening.